Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the Battlefield of Life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 8, Monday fucking morning, Monday morning team, November 25th, eh, month of day, the fat man will be down your chimney, disappointing many of you on Christmas day, how the fuck, how you been man, how have you been, it's only been a week since the last podcast, but I'm going to be honest, it feels longer. It's been an action-packed week in the fucking Gibson household, let me tell you that. We had some family up yesterday, doing the Christmas markets in Edinburgh. Um, We'll talk about that later on, because that is a fucking capitalist absolute nightmare. But how you been, man? I hope hope you've been having a good week. Um, Thank you always to everyone who has uh, listened and got in touch with the show. Let's get a shout out out the way early on. Let's get the business done up front and then we can settle in to another exciting episode. Um, December 1st, this will be the last podcast that goes out before the December 1st gig. Um, 
It is a week today, um, or a week, I'm recording this Sunday, but it's a week, whatever. Anyway, it's December 1st, this coming Sunday, the Glee Comedy Club in Glasgow. I will be doing the last tour day of this year for my show White Noise um, that I had at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. If you have been along to any of the tour dates before and you've enjoyed it, uh, friends or family, send them my way. Um, The show is about mental health, uh, men's mental health, but anyone who's been along to see it, you'll know that it's, uh, it's, it's 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 my own personal experience of dealing with some things in the last couple of years, but it is... I don't want to say a light-hearted look at it because it's not. It's got some serious bits in it as well, but it's 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 funny, man. Right? It's fucking funny. So, December first, the Glee Club in Glasgow, come along for a Sunday sesh. It's the last tour date of the year. Like I said before, we we'll launch in a uh, twenty twenty dates. I'm sitting at the computer just now. I've got a whole load of dates up on the screen uh, at the moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve for 16 dates but we're going to hold that back until we get December 1st out of the way and then I think we're actually going to have a rebrand for 2020 I mean fucking check me out eh a rebrand 2020 is going to be a good year man I've, I've already decided this in my head I think none of this kind of bullshit you know if you just put out positive energy into the world positive energy will come back again in various different forms that's i just hey i'm not into all that shit right but i think that the other side of that coin certainly is negativity and if you allow negativity into your mind it will shut you down far quicker than any positive thoughts can move you forward so 2020 next year is going to be a fucking great year man we've got some wonderful dates coming up i've got an extra special wee tour planned for the second half of 2020 which i will be holding back on just now but once we get a few things in the pipeline i'll start to confirm that for you once we know what's happening but let's just say 2020 is going to be a good year man lots of exciting stuff coming up the podcast um and to those legends um rascals who have and been with me since the start, then then thank you. Thank you for listening. Eight episodes, man. Fuck me. I've got to be honest, you know? Like I said, way back, episode one, I wanted to do a wee solo podcast for a long time. And uh, can't believe we're eight episodes in, man. Huh? Eight weeks ago, I sat at this very desk and started episode one. Look at us now. So, nice week just gone. Um, I was lucky. I got tickets to go and see Tim Minchin um, at the Playhouse in Edinburgh. It's one of those things where there's, I don't know if I would, my missus said this, is it weird paying money to go and see comedy? Well, first of all, I got tickets for free, so I don't don't know. The only person I've paid to go and see do stand-up is Bill Burr and CK. It's the only people I've paid to go and see. Uh, I don't know. It would need to be somebody. Anyway, I, I digressed as always. Tim Minchin at Playhouse. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of of Tim Minchin. Uh, I think he's a great act. Um, it's probably someone who I wouldn't necessarily maybe seek out, if that's the right way to put it. But it was a wonderful night and perfect example of someone who 
understands exactly what they want to do. And also something that I very much appreciated because I feel the same is that someone who values the audience. And I think that a lot of acts, whether they be comics, which I feel as though I can comment on, or musicians or, or anything for that matter, I think there are a fair number out there that we could probably all list off or have had poor experience in the past where the focus is more on them than the audience. And by that, I mean the level of show that you put on. I think that from a performer's point of view, if you are asking people to come along and pay money, now if you're doing something for free, you do what the fuck you want, and I don't really think you're open to criticism at that point. But if you have anything that is valuable or worth paying for, you don't fucking do it for nothing. So I think if you are asking people to pay money to come along to your show, then there are some very basic things you need to think about. I think you need to think about the environment that they're sitting in, how comfortable or uncomfortable they will be. Can they, for example, get a drink? Can they access the venue easy enough? You know, is is it going to be difficult for people to get there? When they're in, what are they getting for their for their money? I know there are some people who, you know, they, they go on tour, that they're they're charging insane money, I think, for a ticket, seventeen fifty up to twenty seven fifty for people who, you know, have got no real right charging that money. And they give them sixty minutes, sometimes even less, and they fuck off. And I just think that if you if you're asking people to part with their cash, you, you need to give them a show. You need to give them a night out. You know, it's got to be something to remember. Um, that doesn't need to be a three-hour epic. You know, that doesn't need to be all singing, all dancing, extravaganza. But you just need to think about what they are paying for, and I suppose value for money. And the the performance with Tim Mitchell was incredible. He's um, the tour is old songs, new songs, and fuck you songs. And I suppose if I was a, a musical comic, in a sense, it's a not a get out of jail card but you're lucky that you have that kind of music side to the comedy in the sense that you can play old songs or old bits because you know when it comes to music people want to hear the hits and that's maybe something that a a straight stand-up doesn't have you very rarely could go on tour um you know a, a new show that has 20 minutes in it and the other 90 you know or the other hour is made up of old material that you've been doing for the last 10 years you just couldn't do it but it was a it was a wonderful wonderful gig um full band seven piece band with them who were all incredible uh, musicians as well and i think that's where the i think that's where musical comedy really comes to the front when you have someone who's a very talented musician that's why someone like Bill Bailey is incredible because he's a wonderful comic but he's an incredible musician an incredible musician um, and I think the two complement each other well so it was a great night for Tim Minchin a couple of things I thought was a bit I, I, I'm going along to enjoy a night out right and I, I don't know if it's just everything that's going on with the election and we'll maybe talk about that stuff later on but I did find it a little bit patronising when between the songs, it, it was mostly social commentary. There's, I mean, I think even he would admit there's not much comedy, as in jokes, in the show. But the social commentary was a bit, you know, 
everything you can imagine, right? You know, the country's fucked and Tories are bad and Labour is good. And, and I just found it very odd at times to be sitting, especially where I was, looking around the room, thinking everybody in here is a white middle class person. Probably from Edinburgh or surrounding. And the majority of them have money. These are not the people who need help in the current, especially political and probably social, financial climate that we find ourselves in, yet they clap and applaud like seals as though they are the resurrection. And even more patronising at the end with the big song where um, the the main line in it is, fuck the rich, and I thought, God, this is... This is hilarious, man, for the wrong reasons, because there is a man on stage who probably at that time has more wealth than everybody in that theatre put together. One of the richest men in the world, certainly from comedy, doing a song about fuck the rich. But other than that, it was a great show, man. It was wonderful. Um, And... Thank you uh, for the tickets, and we we had a, a, a lovely a lovely night. Um, but yeah, some bits were odd, man. Some bits were odd. But I suppose that's what. Maybe it's a performers thing. I, I've seen a few things this week as well from from comics and and actors um, posting a couple of things on social media about uh, the election coming up. And I just think that it's uh, it's a bit odd sometimes when very wealthy performers weigh in on, on politics, you know, because they, they feel that their their opinion matters in the sense that they, they're made to believe they matter um, by the way that we hold celebrity up to a light in this country and, and across the world, not, not just in the UK. And maybe there's something where people who come from a kind of performance background where I wouldn't even go and say nine times at a time because sadly we still have the the Oxbridge hold certainly within most of the BBC but it must be difficult if you've if you've felt in your mind that you're a kind of struggling artist for a certain number of years and then you make it and suddenly you become you know far wealthier than you maybe thought you would have been and in your heart you probably believe that you still hold the values you once did so yes, I I find that whole thing quite quite odd, um, and I think that the, the the end to the Tim Minchin gig certainly highlighted that. I don't know how I, I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but I just I just find that it it just sits a bit odd with me that there are effectively millionaires telling us that we should fuck the rich <laughs> when I'm gone, mate, mate. He's a fiver. <laughs> Basically, just fuck every cunt. Just fuck a lot of them, man. Fuck everybody. Oh, God. But yes, Tim Minchin. Um, lovely night. I don't, I don't actually know where else he's going on the... On the tour, I probably should I probably should have dates, but I'm sure uh, Mr. Minchin is doing very well. In fact, he has a fucking story. Years ago when Rock Ness was still a thing, 
I was performing at the Comedy Tent in Rockness, um, and this year, I think we did it two years, maybe three years. One of the years it was horrendous because they had a, a Red Bull tent, right? Um, so you had the slam tent, you had the main stage, uh, you had this big blue tent to the side, um, which was like the second stage, and then you had the slam tent, which came on at like midnight, and it was just fucking like Mordor, right? And one year we had this Red Bull tent, and it was basically like a, a up-and-coming DJ's kind of thing. But it was back-to-back with the comedy tent, so basically when you were on doing a set, you couldn't hear fuck all, you just had absolutely booming bass coming through for this tent. Anyway, what would happen is they usually have like two big headliners uh, from the comedy side, and they would perform in the in the big tent, and we'd be in the kind of wee you know shitey bastard tent at the side. And one year, Tim Minchin was performing, and at the time, you know, he he was big deal. He was still in the UK, and uh, we were quite excited about the kind of bigger acts coming in. It was the first time um, that. I was on a bill, certainly with someone of that stature, and this was a long, long time ago. So I, I, I still can't even believe that they managed to get him. And I'm wondering how he was going to turn up, and the fucker, he flew in in a helicopter. I mean, you've never felt more... I wonder if it, that that's probably the contrast between UK comics or Scottish comics and American comics. Because I imagine, like, if you're an American comic and a headliner flew in a helicopter, you'd be like, oh my God, man, that's so cool, man. Like, I totally, like, I'm going to be that guy. Whereas we're just all standing there, I feel going, who the fuck does this ginger cunt think he is? <laughs> and some fucking cunt that was, thought he was running the comedy, but he wasn't. He had sent somebody to go and get a bottle of wine because apparently Tim mentioned likes red wine, so he wanted to suck up his ass. Man, like, fucking, tell the cunt get his own wine. Flew out in a helicopter. Proper rock and roll. Did the gig. Back in the helicopter and fucked off. <laughs> and at the time, at the time, I remember thinking, "Fucking cunt, didn't even, didn't even come and say hello to the to the boys." Now I went to the scumbags. But now, after what ten years in, what would have been eight years then, or eight years ago? If I had a chance to fly in a helicopter and fuck off, I'd have done the exact same. So fair play to him. I hope you get your bottle of wine. Rockness was man. One year, they had um, they had like the backstage. So we're we're all backstage, right? And you're just mixing with bands. But I've never really been a big music type, and I've also never really been a very big celebrity type. Like if I, if I've ever seen famous people, or you know, you've been in a company of like very very famous people, I've never I've never had that kind of feeling of, oh my god, there's so-and-so, I, I've, it's more like, fuck, that's pretty cool, there's that guy for you, or there's the woman from whatever, and, you know, if you're in, sometimes you're lucky that you're in the environment where other, you know, other, there are famous people, so you you can sit and talk, to, and it's just, everyone's just a normal person, right, and the only difference is, there's two types of celebrity, I think, a normal person who is famous, and a cunt, that's it, there's no, there's no any other type. Some people sometimes feel awkward about going to approach someone. And I think as long as you're not going in, you know, straight away going, oh, can I just talk, to, like, if the option is to talk to someone or get a picture, I, I wonder how many people would take the picture. Just talk to people normally. 
I often find that I, I, I do think that's it. I think most people come away and go, oh, just like a normal, he's just a normal guy, or she's just like a normal woman. That's it. Most most people are normal people, and if they're not normal, they're a cunt who's self-absorbed, full of their own shit. Fuck those people. But one year, there's loads of bands mixing about. We didn't really know who they were, and they kind of keep themselves to sell. And then the second year, they kind of had the porter cabins all kind of round in like a, a semicircle, and there was kind of some chairs in the middle for people to hang out backstage and. A lot of the bands would kind of just keep themselves to themselves, you know, because a lot of them are, it's rock ness, so it's, there's a few, like, headliners, like Basement Jacks played one year, and, uh, fucking who else, I can't remember now, man, right, but, a couple of decent bands are on, do you know what I mean? But most of them are kind of up and coming, so I still feel of their own shite and think that they're something fancy. And then one year, Madness was on. And they were on, I think, on the Sunday, but they're on the main stage. And now everybody... So they went into their porter cabin, it's full of booze, and the boys from Madness brought all their drink out, put it on the tables, the kind of picnic tables that are sitting in front of the porter cabins. And we all just sat and got pissed with Madness. And it was fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. And you could see some of the other bands kind of mulling about. To be fair to them, right, I'm not a big fan of the music, but Mumford and Sons done the same. They boys were fucking sound. They all came over and everybody had a good drink and... It was a good laugh. And also, to be fair to him, Plan B as well. Didn't really see much of him. He was kind of fucked off a bit. But everybody who was in his band was sound. They were all hanging about getting drunk. I but Tim mentioned Rockness. Flew in a helicopter. Fucking gangster, man. Flew in the chopper. 50 minutes set on the fucking ivories. Back out in the chopper again. That's how it's done. That's how you fucking do it. Also, uh, this week we have been to the Edinburgh Christmas Markets. Now, I I have not been to many Christmas markets uh, in the UK. I've been to Glasgow, obviously, Edinburgh, one in Manchester, and Winter Wonderland in London. Which, Winter Wonderland in London is still the worst market stroke Christmas stroke life experience I've ever had but this year Edinburgh Christmas market it's fucking it's up there man it's um, it just feels like all of these things are a, are, a, are a con you know that's the only way I can describe it and there's no reason for them to be shit there are enough, let's just take it as food and drink, right, let's say f- food, drink, the market experience, right, because, it, and it's hard, it's a fucking market, and entertainment, let's look at, let's look at the four, let's break it down here, food, out of ten, you're gonna have to give it a solid one and a half, right, and even that is being polite, now, there are a few small independent uh, vendors at the market. We found a, a vegan place uh, where the missus was going to get something to eat. And it's like a small converted caravan. And it's right at the very back of the Edinburgh market. It couldn't be any further away from everything if you fucking tried. Now, the rest of the places are all the usual burgers, hot dogs, 
Um, I imagine it's a consortium that owns all these things. I don't know, but I imagine you probably pay a pretty penny to be punting your sausage in the Edinburgh market. I wouldn't even want to upset you moving into this festive period at the price uh, what a hot dog will set you back. And even then, the the food that you're getting is no, there's no there's no reason for it. As someone as a man who loves his grub, who enjoys cooking, who understands some of the costs involved, it, I'm telling you now, it is harder to make shite food than it is to make something decent. It's harder. You actually have to go out of your way to make food shite. And this is what they've done. Cheap food, cheap crap, mass-produced, but you fucking buy into the Christmas bullshit, you know? You're all standing about herded like cattle. Most of the stalls, if you can call them that, that they have in the market, it's the usual, right? It's the guy selling the fucking cheese who seems to be at every market. £28 for six fucking baby bells of cheese. Get yourself to fuck. A load of people selling the shittest handmade jewellery. Uh, that you've ever seen in your life. It's a lot of the same stalls selling the same crap. And you just think, if someone was to take the time, because effectively when that drops, right, on the first week in January, whoever they fucking drop the thing, you've got, you've got a year. You have got a year to plan what could be an amazing Christmas market. But then that takes time. That takes care. And nobody's got the time, nobody gives a fuck, because arseholes are going to come along and pay their fucking money. It is extortionate. We went yesterday with uh, our two nieces, and one's a, a bambino, she's in the buggy, uh, having a good sleep, man. She was quite happy. Um, and the other one was, was going about, so we had her on the big wheel. Uh, she was on a helter-skelter slide, on a train, on loads of different things, right? And obviously because um, both... My nieces, uh, from my, my brother and, and Yasmin's nieces, or our nieces, they, they all live down south, so some in Newcastle and some in Gloucester. So you don't see them that often, you see them very rarely. And you do want to spoil them. So that's fine, you know, you get the kids whatever they want to do, and they go and do it, you know, go on the different rides, and they see something they want to get it, you know, and you just, that's part of being an auntie and uncle, right? You get, that's the joy you get to spoil people. But I did think a couple of times when I was walking around, um, and there, there is a, that mix of people that you seem to see at these things, especially in Edinburgh, when there are the ones who have maybe came into money during their life, you know, and they want to show it off. So they're, they're all dressed up. It's an event. You know, the kids are in head-to-toe barber or their fucking Canada Goose jackets. And it's it's a display. You know, it's peacocking. It's walking amongst people going, look at mum and dad and their designer fucking headscarves and earmuffs and fucking look at us. You know, and, and the wains are immaculate and, you know, you want this and take a bite out of that, stick in the bin, fuck it. Right, it's a display. And then you got other people there who are there for the Christmas market. They're taking the wains out, you know, and they're fucking struggling. And the whole time, even the big wheel, I'm thinking, going, this, this would bankrupt you. If you had three or four kids... And two adults. You're talking 40 odd 50 quid to go in that big wheel. You know? And that this is 
this is the pressure that a lot of people will be under, especially at this time of year, man. This is, I guarantee you there will be someone you know, you maybe don't know that it's happening, but there will be someone who you know right now is stressed out their fucking box because this could be the last payday they get before Christmas. And they will be shiting themselves because they've got to get all the presents, all the stuff for Christmas Day, the fucking food, the travel. Then they've got to somehow find the money to fund that weird fucking week between Christmas and New Year that never fucking ends. And even if they're one of these people who get their December wage early, then you fucked yourself into January because you just go ahead and spunk it on presents because you don't want the Wayans to go back to school and they be bullied because they've not got anything. You know, and you, and you know you need to get your message, even though she said, listen, we, we, I don't want anything, or you've agreed that he's only going to get each other something, you know, because you're skint, you've still got to do it. And now on top of this, you've got things like Christmas markets, and you've got to take the wins to the Christmas markets, right? They've got to go on the big wheel, you've got to get them, you know, the waffle cones, you know? There's 20 quid you've spunked in that. You've just put £50 in a big wheel. Go to get a dinner after it. A day out now to a Christmas market. You could be talking 200 quid, 300 quid for a family. And then on top of that, you're going, right, Frozen 2's just came out. Of course it has, eh? The fucking Wayne's why I couldn't see that as well. I'm no, I'm no sitting here. I love a present as much as the next guy. And I'm no sitting going, listen... Christmas is getting out of hand. But it's, it's a time of the year, man, where people's mental health is pushed, you know? And even on the other side of it, you, you people who are lonely at Christmas, people who haven't got anybody, or people who maybe have someone but they feel as though they can't reach it, so they sit themselves. We all know about the, the spike in suicide rate this time of year. Some of it will be loneliness, a lot of it will be financial pressure. Somehow you just find, you just find a way. You just find a way to go through it. But I did see some of the people kicking about that market, going, "Fuck me, man! You're an absolute fucking tosser." <laughs> but the Waynes loved it. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Christmas is for. It's for the fucking Waynes, and it it's for the fucking Waynes. Why did we back to Christmas market? I don't know. I am going next weekend with a friend of mine um, and his wife, but we're going to get steaming drunk. So that's different, right? That's a different Christmas market experience, right? You're not going traipsing in the Wayne's room going, isn't that a nice decoration? Wouldn't you like that? What have you asked Santa for? No, it's into the fucking Johnny Walker pub and we're getting bladdered. One thing that I would say to any Christmas market people out there, if you are listening to this uh, podcast, I highly doubt it, but can we stop serving mulled wine in little glasses? I don't care what I need to pay. Can I just get a fucking big stein of mulled wine? That's all I want. A litre of mulled wine. Right? That's it. That's one of my favourite things about Christmas. Food, stroke, mulled wine. But these wee cups, they're, they're not used to naked, right? I'm no walking around, taking sips, warming the cockles. I'm tanning it because it's delicious. So let's just get like a daddy mug or a fucking Oktoberfest mug, whatever you need to do, right? Call it Santa's cup. I don't care what you call it. Just get a big fuck off pint glass, at least, of mulled wine. 
and that would make the Christmas experience a hell of a lot better. Also, it's like, see the Edinburgh one, man. It's, you're like cattle. You are fucking, you're penned in, man. Like it's not, it's not an enjoyable, it's not an enjoyable experience. You're just walking around what effectively is a shit market that stop. It's odd how Christmas does things. See, any other time of the year, you wouldn't fucking look at these places twice. But because it's Christmas, you're like, oh, a Harry Potter wand. Yes, please. A bar of dairy milk with my name on it. And only 9 99 What a bargain that is. Would you like a giant Toblerone with your name on it, Stephen? <laughs> I want to go and pay £40 to go on the fucking wheel. The big wheel, but also the fucking unique way that Edinburgh is built on every bastard hill, naughty man. Even when you're at the top of the fucking big wheel, you're not any taller than the fucking hotel next to you. Save yourself 50 quid, go into the hotel that's right next to the big wheel, and fucking go up to the top floor. Chap in some cunt store and go, listen, see if I give you £20 cash, gonna fucking let me in and have a look at your window. Absolute schoolboy in there, but I just ch- <laughs> just chapped the desk to mimic the sound of trying to get into somebody's hotel room, and the fucking dog shat his pants. <laughs> oh, the tour manager is a shite bag, man. Honestly, see the noise he makes. Like, see if my postman, my postman must think I've got like a fucking Doberman in here, tooled up, fucking two Stanley knife sellotape to him. And then as soon as somebody comes in the house, the dog just shakes himself. <laughs> oh. Christmas markets. Listen, if anybody's ever been to a good Christmas market, fucking let me know. Apparently the ones in Germany are good. No surprising. Eh? Efficient. Right? Fatty vivant. Markets. I don't know what accent is this. <laughs> That's an Irish trouble. <laughs> what do we want in the markets? We want, to, we want lots of ice cream. Lots of snow. Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Christmas market here in Kilkenny. <laughs> now to be sure, uh, Santa Claus is Irish. And I'll tell you that for why. You got a tangerine if you are good. And a fucking lump of coal if you are bad. Naughty. So there you, Santa was Irish. <laughs> oh... Ah, apparently ones in Germany are good. Welcome to the Christmas market. I don't, I can't do German, I can't do voice, I can't do accents. Right, I'm not going to lie to you. This is the German market. No, I'm just going back to, every, every time I do this goes back to that. <laughs> even, even if I try to do a different accent, every time it comes back to listen to me talking like this, like. <laughs> so I, Edinburgh Christmas market, shite. But it's Christmas, you know, so that's what we fucking do. We go to this bollocks, traipse about, pretend it's fun, eat a shite six pound sausage that's been lying in a fucking bucket for ten minutes, and have some five pound warm wine. That is Christmas, man. But yes, if you know of any good Christmas markets, fucking get in touch. Get in touch, man. Two quick things. Um, I have recently discovered 
oat milk. Now, two things. One, I'm sure there's a fair number of you going, hey, oat milk's been known for fucking donkeys. I understand that. And two, some of you will be outraged to think that I'm walking dangerously further down the line of veganism. I can confirm it's never going to happen. Can he get up chicken, steak and cheese? That's the three, right? Excuse me. I will, however, continue to indulge uh, the missus in her vegetarianism. But oat milk, right? No. Without getting too graphic, every time I have a coffee before, it is a countdown until I do a shite. As soon as the last sip of coffee touches my lips, fucking start the clock, it is as if my guts just turn over a timer, you know, and the grains of sand trip through until I am on full evacuation. It's very very rare that I can have a coffee with milk in it without then, at some point in the next 10 to 15 minutes, having a heavy key. Oat milk, right? Mrs. drinks in her coffee, swears by it, says it's delicious, as like, it's the work of the devil. How do you get milk out of an oat? What even is it? Is it oats like porridge? What do they do with it? Smash it up, fucking read poetry to it, and it starts crying. How do you get milk out? Things, things like cows, women, you know, milk out of nipples. That's science, right? I know that. If it's goat nipples, you can milk it, as it said in Meet the Fockers, right? You get a cue, fucking squeeze the teats, there's your milk, right? Happy days. Oat milk, what? Soya milk, who knows? But, one morning, not that long ago, uh, this week in fact, I go to get my morning coffee, there's no milk left. What? Shock horror. In a midnight drunken bowl of shreddies, I have failed to realise that I've Taking every last drop of cow juice out the fridge. So, in an unorthodox move, I am forced to at least um, try oat milk. And I can say, I can confirm wholeheartedly, and I have not been endorsed or sponsored by Oatly for this statement, but oat milk in your coffee is delicious. Now... There's a, as everything in life, everyone's got their own brand, their own flavour, right? Mine, or ours, is Oatly. Oatly. But, you need to get the barista version. Now, I don't know what's in it. I don't know if it's extra creamy. I don't know if it's big fat oats they use. I don't know what happens. I don't, it's probably just got more sugar in it. I don't know. But there is something about the combination of hot coffee... And this barista style oatly milk that is fucking gorgeous. I swear to God, it tastes like it tastes almost like uh, coffee, mate. You know, that kind of real creamy. It, it almost tastes like that. It's it's amazing. I mean, I wouldn't go as far to have it in your cereal, right? That's fucking. I mean, that's the work of the devil, right? That's just a that's a beast move. But for a coffee, oatly barista style milk. Just try it, man, right? Now, listen, I know this is going to send some of you over the edge as well. It's £1.90 a carton. What the fuck? I know, right? I know. 
And that isn't even like a fucking 20 litre can. That's like a pint. A pint! 190 a pint. It's fucking dearer than petrol. But try it, man, right? You're a fan of the coffee. Try it. Oatly, barista style milk. Fuck, just, just give it a go, right? Just give it a go. Report back to me. Report back. Scott Gibson Comedy on Facebook. At Big Scott Gibson Twitter. At Big Scott Gibson Instagram. ScottGibsonComedy.co.uk's website. Fucking get in touch, man. Let me know. If anybody has got any questions, um, some people have got in touch. I, I will put out a post when I'm recording it, but at some point during the week, I'll always record these episodes. Um, but if you've got a question, man, fucking get in, get in touch. Drop me, drop me some questions. Any topics, any you want me to discuss, any problems, man, any issues in life, <laughs> fucking get in touch. One thing that's really annoying me this week, and I don't know if it's because, like I said, we got the car fixed, so I'm, I'm looking out for this more, but the state of the roads in Scotland are a fucking joke. A fucking joke. Now, I'm an SNP man, right? Always have been. Nicola's my woman, right? I'm behind her all the way. But... We need to sort the fucking roads out in this country. Now, I know we're a small country. We're a tiny country, right? You only need to come out of the central belt in Scotland and go, oh my God, there's no fucking motorways. There's no motorways, right? Other than Glasgow, there's no fucking motorways. There's maybe a couple of dual carriageways. Most of it is fucking single track road. As soon as you go north, anywhere in Scotland or come off of the M74 you're in a fucking farmer's track but in the cities Edinburgh and Glasgow especially the fucking state of the roads here man I have been to Abu Dhabi a desert a desert there are fucking roads so smooth you could play fucking carpet balls in the bastards. In the fucking desert! And you're telling me that you can't get cunts here. How? No, listen, I'm not a worky, right? I've done labouring a few times. I caused more damage on the building site than I fucking earned in wages, right? I am not that type of man. I have what's known as a personality, a sense of humour. And I use that to earn a crust. Now, if I had been an attractive young man, I may have not developed this fine personality and sense of humour that I have now. And maybe I would be under a floorboard, rewiring the house, on a building site, with a hard hat, with hundreds of fucking sectarian stickers on it. But I'm no, I'm sorry. I'm no that man. I'm here, right? Talking to you. And you're listening. You may be that man. You might be that man who listens to this and super scoreboard, and that's it. And if that's the case, fuck me. What a fan base that is. But I am not that man. I wouldn't even try and understand that person. But all I'm saying is, it can't be that fucking hard. It can't be to lay a road flat. You've got all the fucking machinery you can at your disposal you can imagine right it'd be different if 
somebody laying a, a, a re-tarmac on the road is out there in a pair of fucking cut-off denim shorts and a shovel. I'd be like, the boy's trying his best. Heavy machinery. Tens of thousands of pounds of equipment. And you kind of laugh at that road. There is a bit on the M8, the new stretch of M8, when you're heading out of Glasgow, right? And I swear to God, if you hit this bit of road at anything more than 16 mile an hour, you would think you're on fucking safari. The bumps, the dips, on a motorway, on a fucking, on a stretch of motorway. Yet, you fly to Abu Dhabi in the desert, smooth as silk. I mean, that's just highlighting that you, you fucking need to start killing cuts. <laughs> if the threat of a Scottish street worker was that if he didn't get this road perfectly flat, a fucking shake's gonna turn up in the good dress and bolt gun the cunt, the road would be flat as fuck. <laughs> Honestly, God, man, I'm, I'm driving... I'll find out the, the fucking road. I'm driving out of Edinburgh on Thursday night. I'm going to Glasgow right to do a gig. And it, it's not a, a pothole. Right? It's not a pothole. It's an actual just fucking divot in the road. And I went over this thing maybe 40, maybe 50 mile an hour, right? My fucking fat titties nearly took my chin off. My whole fucking, every bit of fat on my body shook. It came... I rose up like a roller coaster, you know. I came up and I dropped, and my whole fucking fat frame just jiggled in the motor. I'm like, what the fuck is going? On? That's what. That's what the. That's what politicians need. <laughs> that's what politicians need, dude. We need. We need to stop all this. Look, somebody asked me what uh, my stance on politics was. Right, uh, I'll get the guy's name. Chris Mitchell, Chris Mitchell, go and touch on Facebook, Chris had said to me, get your politics hat on Gibble, uh, talking about the debates, asking me what my take is, I'm an SNP man, right? I always have been and that's it, and I'll be SNP until independence, I'm a big independence man, I think Scotland should be independent, we'll leave it like that, if you don't, that's fair enough, I really, I'm not that bored by it, it's just my own opinion, my take on it, that's it, right, if you, even if we disagree, I hope you still will listen to this and enjoy it because this is chat and I think politics takes a backseat on certain things, right? And right now, the choice in the country seems to be between Boris and fucking Corbyn, certainly for England. I mean, I I, I don't know, but I think the SNP will do well again in Scotland and that's what I hope happens. I think that as a country, certainly up here, I think it is difficult for some people who have historical ties to Labour, for example, in Scotland. But I think, um, even though you might not want to agree on it, I think Labour in Scotland is beyond repair. And I think that the best thing that could happen is we all get behind the SNP and Nicola Sturgeon to at least get an independent Scotland. And once that happens, I think that Scottish Labour then can rebrand and restructure as a complete separate identity from the UK Labour. And when that is the case, I think you will find a more fair split in Scotland between the political parties. But I think the main focus has to be getting us independent. That's my take on Scotland. Now, as a whole, it looks like it's going to come down to Corbyn. 
and Boris. And for me, two rockets, right? I'm just going to say it. Two fucking rockets. I think Boris Johnson and the Conservatives... <laughs> just, they're just comedy gold, man. They're just comedy gold. Somebody had put a video on uh, Instagram, I think it was the other day, and it's a guy who's an absolute rocket talking to Boris Johnson, right? And I think the quote was something like, when your voters show their true colours, right? And the guy's going, oh, I think we should tax dog owners. Dog owners, you should be, you have to pay a £5 licence to own a dog. Right, hear me out, Boris. £5, you put that into the public purse, right? £5 for a dog. Every dog you got, £5. You got two dogs. That's a tenner. Four dogs. 20 quid. And if you don't clean up the shit, you get fined by the government. And you're thinking, first of all, that's not going to work. Second of all, the guy's trying. You know, he's trying. He's thinking ways to help the country, but you're not going to have a fucking license to own a dog, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's playing on the, the whole dangerous dog act and children that were attacked or, or killed by dogs or maimed by dogs, Mate Kanakas, no dogs are dangerous, it's owners that are dangerous, but anyway, nobody wants to hear that, because you all want to think that staffies are bastards, because we've always got to have a bad guy to fucking focus on, but you know, that's the case, and then at the end of the conversation, I think £5 licence for dogs, Boris, would be great, and anyway, it was lovely to meet you, now get Brexit done, and fucking get them out, you're like, oh, there he is, there he is. This is the problem with Brexit. Now, you can't call Brexiteers idiots. You can't call them racists. Because not all of them are. Not everybody who voted for Brexit is a racist. Not everyone who voted for Brexit is an idiot. But let's just say, for once and for all, the majority of them are. <laughs> okay? The majority are. Because the majority of people, certainly in England and even parts of Scotland... No educated people. They don't. They don't. They're not interested in finding out information, finding sources. They're interested in reading the fucking absolute shite rags that are the daily fucking record in the Scottish Sun. That's the shite that they're reading, and this is the shite that they're getting. They're putting two of the two together, and they're making sixteen and a half. But the worrying thing, especially when it comes to the, the current political climate. And this is all my opinion, right? And if you don't agree with it, that's fucking good. That's fine. That's the way politics should be. This is the other fucking problem we need to have. People should disagree on things. Right? Life is boring if we all agree. And life becomes boring if you surround yourself with people who all agree with you. Life is boring, man. You need a bit of conflict. You need a bit of discussion, a bit of negotiation. And if your default setting is to go straight to abuse for someone who disagrees with you, then you've already lost and you're just as bad as them. If you have someone who is, you know, they voted leave or they're, they're a Scottish Conservative voter or they want to vote the Brexit party and your first response is you're a fucking idiot, then you are just as bad, if not worse. Say to them why. Why are you voting Conservative? Why are you voting Labour? Why are you voting Labour? I want free internet. <laughs> Corbyn should have pushed that further. Well, tell you, hey, see when you vote us in, every country gets free internet. 
Yes. And a penguin. You don't get a penguin. What else? Sausage rolls. Um, the, the tax is coming off. Sausage rolls will be 20 pence. Oh, this guy's amazing. What else? A four-day week. We're all working four days. I only work three. Well, you can work two. You're only working two days. Fuck me, free internet, sausage rolls, a penguin, and four day week. I think we've all got to accept everybody's as bad as each other. Everybody's as bad as each other. And I imagine, no doubt, whoever gets in, policies will cancel each other out. The world keeps spinning. The rich stay rich. The poor stays poor. Nobody gives a fuck. And it keeps on fucking spinning. The biggest threat, I think, just now to politics in this country is Brexit. And if it doesn't happen. Because how can you argue that democracy then exists? If you have a vote, and the majority of people, regardless of how small that majority is, because I can still remember being part of the fucking 45, and thinking that everything that I had voted for had been taken from me, we never had the option of dragging it out for three and a half years. Suddenly if the vote doesn't go through or it's overturned, the question then becomes to how valid politics is in this country. And I understand the arguments of people didn't know what we were voting for. And I suppose you could argue that is the case. But that was not the vote. The vote was leave or remain and even those of us who voted to remain you have to accept that that is the that's the balance that's the that's the struggle the majority voted to leave so you have to accept that vote i wanted scotland to win independence we didn't i have accepted it we've moved on I think the the best thing to do <clears throat> in this country... See, this is why I hate talking about politics, man, because it's fucking boring. <laughs> best thing to do, right? Get Brexit, leave. Takes a year and a half to fully leave the European Union. Within that time, you convince Germany to leave the European Union within that time as well and the European Union dies in its arse then you form a new union it's not the European Union we don't call it the European Union call it whatever you want call it the fucking Great White Hope Union the Unions Union the Union of Unions yeah, I don't care what you call it and you bring one country in that wasn't in the old European Union so that way nobody before could moan, oh, this is just the European Union. No, it's no, because fucking Uzbekistan's in it now. Or Mongolia. Fucking the Mongols are in. Mongols, Mongols. Ah, oh, they're in, mate. It's a new thing. And we go for there. Right? Or we just accept the world's fucked. We give in to China, tell our Amazons to come and collect us, and that's it. Right? <laughs> we all have one kid each. We start eating fucking tiger penis soup. And we live a long and prosperous life. Blessed be the fruit under his eye. Maybe that's the option we go for. It's going to be interesting to see what happens anyway. It's no long, that's the thing, December 12th, it's no long to go. 
you know, what, three weeks left of campaigning? I can't bring myself to watch the debates because I just get too angry because it's fucking nonsense, right? I just wish somebody would say, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. What would you do, uh, Mr. Gibson, when you come? I don't know. You know what I mean? All I know is, he's a cunt and he fucking wants to keep his pals rich. All I'm saying is, he's a chance, right? Three out of it. <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I, I believe in fucking socialism. Do you know what I mean? Bring, bring it all back, man. Bring the railways back. Fucking gas and lecky. I mean, I shouldn't be paying the money I'm paying for my gas, my lecky. Shouldn't be paying it, eh? Plenty of wind farms in Scotland. I should be getting my fucking lecky for fuck all, fuck all. You know, people earn it, putting it back in the grid. Fucking get me. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to vote. And to be honest, I don't care. I think politics is one of the things where, hey, you do what you want to do, and we get by. That's my wee more used to always say. I'll vote whoever I vote and the world keeps turning. And it fucking does. We'll wake up December 13th. We could have a new Prime Minister. We could have the same Prime Minister. And guess what? We'll all still go to work and the world will keep turning. So fuck knows. Okay, um, let's do some listeners' questions. Team, thanks to everybody who... Got in touch. Um, let's go to Twitter first of all. Big Kev thirteen eighty four. Kev has asked simply Mourinho, Pochettino, Spurs musings? Question mark. Well, Kev, thanks for getting in touch. Um, I was shocked that Poch was fired. Well, was that? Do you know what? See after it. See when I'm sure most of you know. If not, Pochettino, Mourinho, uh, Pochettino. The old Spurs manager was fired uh, last week um, and Jose Mourinho has taken over his job as a uh, coach at, at Spurs. Tottenham was. Tottenham was. I was shocked that they fired him. <clears throat> I think that if they if they knew they were going to get rid of him, they probably should have done it at the start of the international break and given themselves a bit of time. I don't know why they waited till pretty much towards the end of the international break. I imagine and I'm sure that it was the case where they had to have something in place. Um, certainly when you are a football club of Spurs size and stature within the English League, you are a business um, first and foremost. And you would be unable to remove someone of a, a significant position within the business without having replacement first. That would just be bad management. So I imagine... So I imagine that they would have been figuring things out with Mourinho, who he was bringing in, backroom staff, you know, that the new director of football, that kind of thing before it was announced, and obviously. Mourinho's come in. Now, I um, forgot about Pochettino's comments in the Champions League final where he basically said that if he won the Champions League with Spurs, effectively, now you need to remember that English isn't his first language, so sometimes it's a little bit lost in translation, but effectively says if he won the Champions League with Spurs, he'd be fucking offski. And I think that's what he thought was going to happen. I think after the Ajax game when Spurs 
really got through that semi-final with Morris scoring the hat-trick when they, they probably had no right to do so. I think Poch thought he was going to go on and win it. I think that he thought Liverpool would be so dejected after City winning the league, losing out by a point, they would have been knackered and I think Poch thought the Spurs were going to win the Champions League final and he would move on and I think the plan was that he was going to go to Manchester United instead of Solskjaer. That's what I think in his head he thought. I'll win the Champions League with Spurs and I'll go to Manchester United in the summer. And obviously none of that came to fruition. And he finds himself in a position where a lot of the big players, arguably up to 200 million plus in, in assets, is now ready to leave the club in January or the summer because they're out of contract. Jose was a shock appointment and I didn't think that Jose would have went to a team like Spurs but then Spurs are now probably a top four team. Apparently they have one of the best stadiums in Europe, I've not been yet, and apparently they also have one of the best training academies and facilities in the world. Um, those of you who saw the press comments would have seen him talking about staying in a lodge and how soft the fucking pillows were. But I, uh, it's good to see Mourinho back, man. Um. Manchester United's my English team. I love them at United. I was very sad to see him go. I think Mourinho is an, an amazing manager. So it's good to have him back in the Premiership. It's good to see him on a, on a regular basis. His banter's great. He's a born winner. I think that he will finish in the top four with Spurs, even though they are still in the bottom half of the table. Now there's a lot of football left to play. I think he'll get him in the top four. He may win silverware this season. And I think he'll get them in a stronger position for next season. But it's good to have him back in the Premiership, I think. Fucking hell, a bit of sports chat. Eh? Never thought we'd get a bit of fucking sports chat on this show. Thanks, Big Kev. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, at Big Scott Gibson, at Big Scott Gibson on Instagram, and Scott Gibson Comedy on Facebook. Fucking get in touch, man. Uh, G Love, Gary Love. Uh, has also asked, what do you buy a man in his 30s stroke 40s for birthday Christmas? Gary, fuck knows, mate. I think once you pass mid-30s as a man, uh, I think suddenly Christmas and birthdays uh, have very little meaning to anyone else in your life. I think up until that point, people still care what they get you. Um, But... It's, I don't know, mate. And let's see, unless you've got a hobby or, you know, there's something specific that you're in. It's, it's difficult to get people things for Christmas and birthdays because you're like, what do you get, cunts? Fuck knows. I don't know is the answer, mate. Unless you've got a hobby or there's something you're into. Fuck knows. A gadget. Everyone loves a gadget. Lego. Fucking Lego. That's what you do. Any man, regardless of age, birthday or Christmas, get him Lego. I fucking guarantee you you'd love it. You imagine sitting in your mid-40s Christmas time, go through the usual socks, slippers, smelly shite, fucking chocolate, toffee, a jumper, brilliant. You know that fucking male shite, knocking my pan in for this family, fucking eh, all your great gifts you're opening. Your mom and dad's pied foot and I'm sitting here with a fucking eight pair of socks and a pair of shite novelty slippers. And then the missus leans over and says, I love you very much. I know we weren't going to get each other in, but I've got you this. And you open up and it's a Lego train set. A Lego train set! 
all your Christmases have come at once. Get him, Lego. Fucking G-Love. Big Gaza. Fucking Lego, mate. That's what you get. Okay, team, we are fastly approaching the end of another riveting episode. Episode 8, man. Fucking check us out. We're, going, we're nearly double figures. Fuck. Heck. Right, let's do... Let's do some news, man. Let's do some news items, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Play the jingle! Today's headlines. Edinburgh Hotel offers parents sleep. Grandmother stops intruder. And frightened rabbit on display. Oh, as always, a whole spectrum of exciting news items there. Um, let's go first of all to a hotel which I performed at during the Edinburgh Finch Festival. Uh, it was actually the launch of the uh, Yotel in Edinburgh, famous for Yo Sushi. From what I understand, um, and I haven't been back, so I'm not sure, but certainly at the time of the launch, no sushi in the Yotel. What? It doesn't make sense. Why would why would Yo Sushi open up a hotel called Yotel and then no have fucking sushi in it? I mean, it's just a hotel. I thought you would kind of just stand in reception and then like loads of rooms would go around you in a conveyor belt and you just jump into the room that you want. <laughs> oh, that's got a nice big telly. Fucking, and you go... It, the the hotel itself is um, it's like a kind of it's like a fancy travel lodge. That's that's it. And by fancy, I mean clean. Um, it feels like a private hospital. That's what it feels like. It's a big like mechanical bed. You know, one of these beds that kind of like folds up in different positions, like a hospital bed. Very white, very clean, very, very hospital. It feels like a fucking private hospital. But what the people at uh, Yotel have done is they are offering um, a, a sleep club, right? Now hear me out. A sleep club to Edinburgh parents. Fucking. Edinburgh does itself no favours. Sometimes but this shit. Um, now this has all come off the back of a, a study um, at Warwick University which found that new parents face almost six years of sleep deprivation following the birth of a child. Which doesn't make any sense. Um, because if you know anyone who's suffered from insomnia or sleep deprivation, it's a serious thing. Um, so to say that new parents suffer from six years of sleep deprivation, I smell shy, but we'll, we'll, we'll go on. We'll go on to read. Yotel um, in Edinburgh has invited knackered new mums and dads to join the sleep club by offering 100 free rooms to those people after a good night's sleep. It comes after research at the University of Warwick found new parents face almost six years of sleep deprivation following the birth of a child. Now this is a good bit. Membership includes a one-night complimentary stay and a, wait for it, 
a boober. <laughs> I can't even fucking read this. A boober taxi service. Let me let me say that again. Membership includes a one night complimentary stay and a boober taxi service. Not Uber. Boober taxi service. And what the Boober taxi service is, it delivers bottles of fresh breast milk back home for their baby's evening feed. Now let let me just say that again. What you tell are doing is they are offering a one night complimentary stay for new parents and a service which they have called Boober which will deliver a bottle of fresh breast milk home for your baby's evening feed. What the fuck is happening to these hipster fucking dicks? Can can you imagine for one moment that you are a, a guy who comes up with a service called Booba, where you will collect a bottle of tit milk and deliver it to a hungry baby. You would be laughed out of the fucking bank manager's office. <laughs> but because these are all fucking... Oh uh, yeah, why don't we give new mothers and fathers a um, free stay in the hotel? Because... I understand that they have six years of sleep deprivation after having a new child. I mean, none of us have children ourselves because children are disgusting and we are far too cool to be out enjoying life to have children. But why don't we do... Also, Sebastian, why don't we offer some kind of service, like an Uber service where we will take breath... Why don't we call it Booba? Yeah, Booba will actually come in and... (laughs) We'll come into your room and fucking milk your titties and take the fucking milk. I don't have children. I hope to one day uh, have children. I know people who have had kids and I imagine that when your child is still nursing to the point where um, they're having breast milk, I don't imagine you would want to be away from that child for a night as a mother. This to me screams of People that have put this together by thinking, isn't that a nice thing to offer them without having children themselves or understanding the process? Now, there are certain things in life that as a man, I believe you should not comment on, right? Abortion is one of them. I think as a man, I couldn't give a fuck what you've got to say. That's my own opinion. Another one would be the early stages of childbirth and supporting the mother. I don't think as a man, your opinion matters a fucking jot. I think there must be separation issues there. Now, yes, you might not get asleep, but I imagine when a baby's newly born, fresh out the packet, you sleep when the bastard's sleeping, and that's it. The Wayne's not going to turn around after fucking three or four weeks or a couple of months go, hey, time's it, doll, half eight. I'm not going to make it for a match of the day. Listen, I'm going to go and get a good 12 hours. When the fucker sleeps, you sleep, right? We all know that. So you've got a newborn baby and you're not getting it and you're going to say, listen, do you fancy going up to fucking your hotel? They're giving out free rooms for a night's stay. 
I don't want to be away from the baby for too long. I'll get separated. Listen, Henry, we're fine. Just fuck. We'll leave the telly on for him, right? We'll put money for you. Can get a Chinese. They fuck. They'll come in and milk you and bring the bottle back to the cunt. <laughs> this fuck. This is nonsense. This is fucking nonsense. Do you know what this, this is just an advert for a hotel. This is obviously nobody's fucking coming to their hotel to stay in the room. People are obviously walking around going, is this your hotel? It says, sir, yes, welcome to, to your hotel, Edinburgh and Scotland's first hotel. Welcome. You got any sushi in? No, sir, it's, it's your hotel, not, not your sushi. Oh, for fuck's sake. They're fucking off. I mean, even the fact that the article goes on to say, Yotel's rooms come with an adjustable smart bed, gel memory foam mattress, and customizable mood lighting. I imagine the mood lighting you need for someone who is sleep deprived after a newborn baby is just a fucking strobe lighting in some fucking chop suey plane. <laughs> Emily Jane Clark, double barrel, so she's a ball bag, author of Sleep is for the Week. How to survive when your baby won't go the fuck to sleep. Oh, Emily Jane, what are you like with your crazy fucking titles with swear words in it? Emily Jane Clark said, After two babies and years of sleep deprivation, Yotel's Edinburgh Sleep Club is music to my fucking ears. Nothing can prepare you for the tiredness you feel as a new parent. So having a place to escape to alone with a big glass of wine is invaluable. Oh, fucking getting the sea. Yotel has truly thought of everything. And if Boober had been around when I was breastfeeding, I would have jumped at the chance for a night away. Make the most of it. Enjoy a good night's sleep. If anyone deserves it, it's new parents. Yes, it is. I also imagine, Emily Jane Clark, that it's posh, middle-class twat parents. Because I'm sure if there's some scumbags from Leith or the high-rise flats try to get into Yotel and get their tits milked and sent back, you know, 16 floors up down the shore, I'm sure you'd be more than happy to do so, you fucking assholes. Stuart Douglas, general manager at Yotel. Stuart, big shout out to you, mate. Because see when I did that gig and asked for a fucking drink, you gave me two bottles of red wine. So fucking fair play to Stuart, boy. As a parent myself, I know how valuable sleep is. That's why Stuart Watson Hotel get away from the family. It's no secret our smart beds are the comfiest in Edinburgh. I'm going to have to quiz you on that, Stuart, because we did stay in the hotel and it wasn't that comfortable and also the fucking breakfast was shite. But hey, as long as the moths are getting asleep. There you go, Edinburgh Sleep Club. Get yourself a Yotel. Hey, if you're a new parent and you fucking can't sleep, get a Yotel for a free night's kip and some fucking creepy guy for Booba will come and get a fucking half pint of your tit milk and take it back to your wains. What a fucking random bollocks that is. Right, next one. Bodybuilding Gran, 82, stops intruder by smashing a table over him. Yes! An 82-year-old bodybuilder described the moment she went to work. Come on! <laughs> so they stopped the guy. She fucking went to work on the bastard. Went to work on an intruder who broke into her home. Willie Murphy was getting ready for bed. Willie? This is grand. Willie Murphy was getting ready for bed late on Thursday night when the man started banging at her door, begging she call an ambulance. The man then forced his way inside when she refused to open up. 
but he ended up needing that ambulance for real when Willie smashed a table over him, beat him with a broom and squirted shampoo in his face. Oh, you dirty bastard! I beat down my table, smashed the cunt with a broom and then shampoo in the coupon. What? What is... What do you have within arm's reach? Wally! The, the guys come through the front door and you're going, table, bang, broomstick, fuck you, shampoo, in the pus. What's the shampoo doing there? She later told Fox News, America, obviously. I went to work on him. The table broke. Yes, Wally! And when he's down, I'm jumping on him. I grabbed the shampoo. Guess what? He's still on the ground. In his face. All of it. The whole thing. <laughs> Fucking yes, badass bastard, man. This woman's mental. 82. She's seen some shit. What a beautiful description. And when he's down, I'm jotting on him. I grabbed the shampoo. Guess what? He's still on the ground. In his face. All of it. The whole thing. <laughs> Willie said to the instant, I'm alone and I'm old, but guess what? I'm tough. You wouldn't fuck with this woman, man. She was already something of a local celebrity due to her impressive one-handed pull-ups, fingertip push-ups and running sprint races against young children. Willie also described how some of the emergency services dispatched to the scene asked for selfies before she later received a hero's welcome on her return to Maplewood YMCA. He picked the wrong house to break into, Willie said. Yes, he did. Do you know what? I love nothing more than hearing people who, like, break into a house and then get the fucking shit kicked at them. I am very lucky, touch wood, I have never had a house broken into. I've had some things stolen. I had a bike stolen once. Oh, my bike. But I've never had a house broken into. I cannot imagine anything worse than coming home from a holiday or coming home from anywhere and find that you've been burgled. It must be a, a really, a very horrible, you know, just a horrible feeling. A complete scumbag thing to do. I have no time respect for anyone who does something like that. But is there anything better than hearing a story of someone breaking into a house? And then getting the fucking shit kicked out of them. It's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. Now, I know America, it's a little bit different because the likelihood is somebody will break into the house and then get their fucking guts blown out in a landing, right? That maybe a wee bit, hey, fucking hee But certainly in the UK, now I know this is an American story, but certainly in the UK, I don't think there's anything better than somebody breaking into a house and then wrong house, mate, and they just get their fucking shit kicked out of them. It's great. It's absolutely great. I, I would never condone violence. Or, well, maybe in some people. But I, I think that if somebody breaks into your house, if you can get a hold of them, man, fucking leather the bastard. And nothing, there should be no consequences against you. None at all. Dear Wally, man, table of the heat, broomstick to the guts, shampoo bottle in the bus. Brilliant. There you go. Bodybuilding Grand 82. If you go to the Metro's website, you can see a video of her flexing her guns, man. <laughs> Not fuck with Granny Willie. And last story, uh, finally, um, nothing funny. I thought I'd finish on, on a wee series one that I thought was quite nice. I'm going to go along and checking this out as well. Um, I, I'm a fan of Frightened Rabbit. Um, my missus is a massive fan of the band. Those of you may know or may not know, Scott Hutchinson, who was the lead singer of Frightened Rabbit, he, he took his own life... Um, in May, I think it was, of 2018, he was only 36 at the time. Um, someone who has 
Certainly, the band and his brother Grant has continued to campaign um, for mental health issues and someone and Scott Hutchison who I believe was quite open about his his own battle with mental health um, and it's something that's been kind of close to my heart something that I've spoke about in the last year or so um, and now there is a, a a picture has been unveiled of Scott in the portrait gallery in Edinburgh um, this article which is on BBC News uh, a celebratory photograph of Frightened Rabbit singer Scott Hutchison has been unveiled in Edinburgh at the National Portrait Gallery. The black and white image of a smiling singer on stage with a guitar is now in display at the National Portrait Gallery. Photographer Ryan McGovern said the photo captured something important in Mr Hutchinson's character. He was a raconteur on stage, his legendary banter between songs was just as great and enriching as his songs. He looks very happy, wide-eyed and talking to the audience he is at home. Frightened Rabbit was formed by Scott Hutchison, his brother Grant, as most of you will know, in their hometown of Selkirk. The singer-songwriter spoke of joy of creating music, saying there was no greater feeling than bringing a new piece of music into the world, almost out of thin air. His family said he spoke openly of his struggles as an anxious child, even naming the band after a nickname given to him by his mother, as the band you know is Frightened Rabbit. And as an adult, he was open about his fears of social situations. He died after the weight of his mental ill health became too great for him and he sadly took his life. In May of 2018, earlier this year they set up a chat in his memory, Tiny Changes, which is something you should all check out and be following online. Um, I think it's just at Tiny Changes on Twitter um, to support efforts to improve mental health in children and young people. The portrait, which was taken in 2014, was acquired by the gallery earlier this year and has gone on display in the gallery's modern portrait exhibition. So if you are a Frightened Rabbit fan, uh, go and check out National Portrait Gallery in Scotland. Um, and if you're not a fan of the band, if you've not listened to the music, get on Spotify, man. It's some some incredible, incredible stuff. And it's still a, it's still a great loss. Uh, someone who was an incredible talent... Um, yeah, it's just the, the hardships of mental health, isn't it? Anyway, so Frightened Rabbit, um, picture of Scott is in the National Portrait Gallery, so go and check it out. That's your news, man, there you go. Edinburgh offering the hipsters uh, a night out with the old fucking boob milk service. 82-year-old granny smashes fuck out a bastard right out of the house. And Scott Hutchison portrait is now on display at the National Portrait Gallery in Edinburgh. That was your news. As us, team. We are we're at the and now the end is near. That's us, episode eight in the fucking can, as the kids say. Um, podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and there is also an audio version on YouTube. And um, do me a favour, man, if you are enjoying the show, if you are one of the the loyal listeners and thank you generally thank you very much to everyone who has listened we're getting some good uh, consistent numbers for each of the episodes so if you are one of the listeners if you enjoy it please do share it with your friends stick it on your social media posts let people know about it um it's just a nice wee podcast to have on and let a bit of chat fucking fill your ear holes i don't know but if you have enjoyed it share it let's grow the numbers keep it going um if you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to ask me anything or you want me to discuss something or a topic, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk, there is a contact form there or on the social medias. Uh, Scott Gibson Comedy on Facebook, at Big Scott Gibson on Instagram and at Big Scott Gibson on Twitter. Coming up, like I said, December the 1st, 
the last tour show of this year, the Glee in Glasgow. Tickets from the Glee Glasgow are tickets from our website. If you are listening to this, post about it, man. Let's fucking pack the bastard out. December 1st, Glee in Glasgow. I hope to see as many of you there as possible. Thank you for listening. Keep your eyes peeled, get on the website, sign up to the mailing list. There's a whole load of tour dates coming out for 2020 and some exciting stuff for the podcast. But thank you again for listening. Have a great week. I will speak to you again next Monday. I'll see you in the battlefield soon. Onward! (laughs) 